The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome everyone to the Reardon Real Health Podcast. And this is Dr. Ron Hunting-Hockey. And I have as my guest today, uh, nurse Laura Vasquez, who's a, who's a nurse practitioner. And she is joining me today to discuss a book that we have both uh, looked over very carefully and we think it's relevant to many, many women. Well, first of all, let me say hi to Laura. How are you doing, Laura? Hi, Dr. Ron. Nice to be with you today. You bet. And I'll bet you a lot of people don't know you yet, even though you've done a podcast. So Laura is one of our newest uh, uh, employees at the Reardon Clinic. Uh, she's a practitioner, nurse practitioner, and she's uh, in the Overland Park office. And... Uh, where we kind of got off on the idea of doing this, this particular topic on uh, busting breast cancer, which is a, a new book that's out, is that I had to do a talk down in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Laura was very helpful to me in terms of putting that talk together. So Laura, thank you. It went really well, and I appreciate all, all your, your due diligence in this. Thank you. It was great collaborating with you, Dr. Ron. So... Busting breast cancer, why don't you just kind of jump in and maybe tell a little bit about this book as it relates to the whole issue of breast cancer in America today? Sure. So this book gives a vast array of evidence showing simple, non-invasive, non-toxic ways to prevent or lower your risk of breast cancer while also exposing the corporate industries who continue advancing their political and I would say personal agendas, um, which are putting women at a higher risk now more than ever to develop breast cancer. Um, the author Susan uh, Wadi Ellis is an advocate for all women to educate and empower us to take action and protect ourselves from these very industries that we're supposed to trust. So this book goes through about five um, preventative steps that she thought were most important that all women could become more educated on and take steps towards uh, working towards to prevent you know, breast cancer. It's really important. I was uh, just on a Zoom call with, uh, with Dr. Timms, Lucas Timms, who's the naturopathic oncologist there in Overland Park. And we were talking specifically about uh, the statistics surrounding breast cancer. It's the number one cause of cancer death in women in the United States. And so, and it's kind of just been that way. It's actually continues to get a little worse over time. I know 
Uh, right now, it's one in eight women uh, mm -hmm. will will uh, is it die from breast cancer or is it will get breast cancer? <clears throat> I can't remember, but it's I think, yeah, I believe it's die from breast cancer. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, that that's that's staggering. That is just staggering, and uh, so I think. The, what I got from one of the main ideas of this book is that there are five ways that women can reduce, well, first of all, not become one of those statistics and take better care of themselves, inform their, their family, their children, their, their friends, that, uh, that they can be more empowered and uh, survive what appears to be another pandemic, a scourge in terms of uh, uh, a menace to the lives of women, not just in the United States, but all around the world. Yes, you're absolutely right. This is such an important topic. So I'm so happy we're getting to do this, especially during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's I knew there was a reason why we put this on as well. Yes. <laughs> so what we want to make women aware of is that they have the power to markedly reduce. And in this book, this, uh, uh, the, the author, uh, Susan Wadia Ellis, she, she boldly says is that perhaps a 70 to 80% reduction in breast cancer cases, if women would just really carefully look into these five preventive steps, which is really another very astounding thing. I mean, the, the, the fact that we have this many deaths from breast, breast cancer, but that we have women uh, and, and the men in their lives who care for them and for them uh, can help them to take these steps in order to reduce that, that awful statistic. Yes, yes, definitely. And, and we can kind of maybe go into talking briefly about these five steps to get this education out to our listeners. Right. I'm going to just give a quick introduction to the first one. You know, most people wonder what is cancer? And uh, in the introduction of the, of the book itself, there's a pretty astounding uh, uh, idea that I think most people won't know about. It's, it's been considered a, a form of altered genetic function that uh, genes have gone wild and gone rogue and and now they're creating cancer cells and uh, which sounds like the invasion of the body snatchers to me like you're you're <laughs> really out of control this is just going to happen bad luck too bad uh, and and really the new research on the the mitochondrial cause of cancer namely that if there's a lack of adequate oxygen to the mitochondria, these will, these will start to malfunction. And it's from there that the cells shift into uh, a type of different type of metabolism that uh, initiates the, uh, the growth and spread of the cancer cells. And that this change can be uh, mitigated against by looking at the terrain of the cells. In other words, the, the factors that influence the growth and health of our cells that we have control over can help us reduce risk. And even if the cancer does come into our lives, there are very specific steps we can take to help uh, return those cells to more normal functioning. So with that, with that kind of introduction, the first, the first, uh, uh, 
preventive step is to eat fat to lose weight and keep the mitochondrial mitochondria ha uh, healthy and happy uh, with either a ketogenic type diet, weight loss, and I'm going to throw in there intermittent fasting. So this this may be new information to people. So Laura, what is what does this mean to you? Why why would uh, why would eating fat to lose weight? You know, a lot of people would say, doesn't fat make you fat? Yes, you know, growing up in, and I don't want to date myself, but 80s and 90s, there was um, a fad diet of low-fat diet. So I grew up with all the low-fat foods and hearing about don't eat fat. Um, now we know, and we we knew back then as well, it just the information wasn't out that um, if you are eating healthy types of fat, you're actually burning a much cleaner, cleaner fuel source for your body, for your cells. Um, you know, we run on either glucose or a fat metabolism. So we have two different types of metabolism and, you know, eliminating that sugar from your diet, those refined carbohydrates, allowing your body to burn more healthy fat. So doing a more ketogenic diet approach, um, you're really giving your body cleaner fuel and that can help people who are obese, overweight, burn excess fat for energy um, so that they can be leaner and they don't have that inflammatory um, obese, those inflammatory obese cells in their body that can be a precursor to, you know, a toxic state, which is another risk factor for breast cancer. Yeah. And just to even make this more general, a lot of times when people hear the word ketogenic diet, they say, well, I've, I've heard that's just a lot of meat and uh, doesn't sound very healthy to me. Really what we're talking about is more like a Mediterranean ketogenic diet where the fats that are in the diet are uh, omega, omega-3 type fats. And the fats that are, that are otherwise there are uh, from nuts, seeds, and other healthier plant sources of, of fats. Not that there can't be uh, small amounts of beef or chicken, but you wanna make sure that these other uh, sources of fat are clean because we're gonna get down to one of the other big factors in, in her five steps is, is we wanna avoid toxic influences because toxins are another factor here. So, but anyway, the main point is, is that this is not a specific diet. It's more uh, cleaning up the diet that you're eating because so many of the processed foods that people buy now mm -hmm. are are overloaded with uh, with sugars and and then the, the 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 types of fats that are more likely to cause problems with people. So uh, so any other thoughts on uh, uh, oh and then the intermittent fasting. What's your take on intermittent fasting, Laura? I absolutely love intermittent fasting and I practice this myself and advocate for a lot of my patients to practice this. Um, there's different ways you can do intermittent fasting. You can do a 24 hour fast once a week. Um, you can do a 12 hour fast. So pretty much while you're resting at night after dinner, you know, you're just not eating until breakfast. You can, you can try to extend that, you know, you can do 16, 18 hour fast. Um, fasting helps your body rest, digest, and clean up old, you know, inflammation, old cells. So it's a very powerful and easy tool to adopt into your lifestyle that can help with weight loss and help with inflammation in general. So yes, definitely good to incorporate. 
It also makes you feel better, too. Uh, I know a lot of people are tired. Women, men are really tired. And the the idea has been just eat uh, more frequently throughout the day. But that keeps you in the, the carbohydrate burning mode. And you don't get the efficiency of uh, fat burning that you can by practicing intermittent fasting. Yeah, that's great. Okay, the second item is something that I'm, I've been very interested in and, and been working with my patients for the last 10 years, and that is the importance of measuring your vitamin D level twice a year. Uh, why, 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 why do you think she's saying uh, measure it twice a year? What, what, wouldn't a lot of people say, well, I, I'm out in the sun quite a bit. I probably have enough vitamin D. Yeah, you know, I think people don't think of uh, maybe or know the importance of vitamin D and all the functions it has in our body. And so living in the Northern Hemisphere, we often don't get enough natural sunlight um, year round. We also don't, we wear sunscreen, which blocks synthesis of vitamin D. Um, and there's been a lot of studies that show we are majority up to 80% of the population is vitamin D deficient. So, um, and then the studies also looked at vitamin D levels with cancer and breast cancer and women with breast cancer had an average vitamin D level of 17. Ooh. And what we're shooting for is uh, greater than 60 uh, anagrams per ml. So uh, and, and this idea of measuring, this is very much a Dr. Reardon idea that you really can't manage something unless you, you measure it. And so people oftentimes say, well, I think I'm getting enough vitamin D or they're making that assumption. But uh, in an area as uh, that's as important as this is, measurement is key because in that way, you know whether or not you're getting enough sunshine or if you're not, uh, supplementation can be uh, accomplished very inexpensively and very safely, especially now that we're uh, advocating using low doses of vitamin K2, MK7, along mm -hmm. with the D3, you really don't have to worry about excessive calcification in your body, which used to be uh, a concern of conventional doctors. There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's episode of The Real Health Podcast is brought to you by the Reardon Clinic Nutrient Store. The Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is handpicked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic, providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's so easy to check your levels and that way we can titrate doses based on your specific level to get you to at least 60. Sometimes we like it even higher than that, depending on the patient and the situation. This is a very easy risk factor to control for all women. Very good. Let's move on to number three, which uh, I think is going to be a surprise to most women, namely that, uh, Many of the birth, if not all of the birth control drugs uh, now contain, uh, well, not now, but even in the past have contained something called 
progestins. So can you just say a little bit about what, what are the dangers of progestins and how are they different than progesterone? Sure. So progesterone is a natural hormone that we all make. Um, there's several important functions that progesterone does in, in a woman's body throughout her life. And so the natural progesterone is very beneficial. When they started creating synthetic progestin, um, this acts very different, differently in a woman's body. And in 2010, I believe there was an international collaboration and this study showed that this progestin actually turns on a protein that will affect sex organs and the breast cells being one of them. And what it does is it causes the cells in the breast to start dividing rapidly um, and they do not die when they're supposed to. Therefore, it was correlated with increasing risk and incidence of breast cancer. So many young girls are put on birth control. Um, you know, it's marketed to, to women in America and it's approved by the FDA, even though there's striking evidence to suggest that um, really we should not be using these synthetic progestins because they are very dangerous, yet it's widely used. Yeah, and there's a, there are other ways to achieve uh, birth control besides these uh, birth control progestin-containing uh, strategies, in, including interuterine devices now that have progestin in them. So the idea is, is for women to start checking into what is being prescribed. And if you see the word progestin, uh, you're basically taking something that's going to enhance the development of, of uh, breast cancer cells. Absolutely. Yes. There's so many good options. So I encourage all women to have a conversation with your provider and check into alternative methods. Very good. So number four, uh, here's another going to be a big surprise and, and somewhat controversial uh, uh, idea that, that uh, perhaps mammograms are not the best way to, uh, to detect and to prevent uh, breast cancer. Uh, maybe you could just say a little bit about this because I know there'll be a lot of women that'll say, what? Uh, yeah. This has been kind of like dogma, gospel for so long. And here is a book that is challenging that. On what basis do you think this challenge is being made? Yes, this book does a great job of giving you all the information so you can make your own decision. And I agree. I think mammograms are very controversial. And many women believe that that is the gold standard in detecting or preventing breast cancer. I'd like to say that we should kind of reframe our thought. Mammograms are not preventative per se. They're more of a screening tool. And screening tools are not always accurate. And so mammograms... Um, they cannot detect um, atypical hyperplastic disease or certain types of calcifications. And what we were seeing is that they're diagnosing a lot of pre-cancer or what they term now stage zero cancer, which means there is no tumor. And this is very confusing to women. And their providers were recommending invasive treatments or over-treating these findings on mammograms. 
So there's alternatives to mammograms, which are almost just, if not better, definitely provide no radiation, such as thermography. There are, there are certain types of MRIs. There's also self-monitoring, which everyone should be doing. Um, so I think, you know, you have to kind of look at the, the studies that show that these can be very harmful, that women that are getting consistent mammograms do have a higher incidence of cancer versus women that were not. There's lots of good data on this. And try to find an alternative route that is less harmful to you and still just as good at detecting inflammation or tumors and talk with your provider about that. Yeah, kind of uh, in, in a number of countries, uh, I know in Canada, uh, some of the Norwegian countries, and I believe Switzerland in, in Europe, they uh, have basically stopped doing mammograms because the, uh, the, 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 the effectiveness is uh, being statistically challenged. And the other aspect of this is the idea that, uh, what, that a cancer can be modified by the person who has the cancer. That the, the conventional medicine really does not believe that's possible. It's just a matter of you, you've got to basically either uh, take it out, you've got to irradiate it, or you've got to uh, treat it with a chemotherapeutic agent to kill the cell. And the notion that, that a cancer cell is an injured cell and that uh, what we're really trying to do is to uh, help that cell uh, return to a more normal type of functioning uh, before it becomes, uh, shall we say, radicalized into uh, a, a, a cell that is going to metastasize throughout the body. The, that idea is still still not taken root in conventional medicine. And so the idea of just early detection so that you can eliminate it uh, is the only that's the only uh, metaphor in town that we have. And so this represents another part of the original thinking of this book, namely that uh, through better self-care, uh, better use of nutritional factors, detoxification factors, that a woman can change the course of her illness for the better. I love that. Well said. Well, thank you. So we're, uh, we're, down to the last one here, number five is to clean the insides of your body and your cells every day, detoxification. So detoxification uh, can mean a lot of different things to different women. What are, what are some of the things that come to your, your mind, Laura? I think some things that come to my mind are we, working here in the Integrative Oncology Clinic, we do a lot of in-depth testing to look for molds, metals, plastics, and we often find a lot of chemicals. You know, uh, bisphenol A is very common in our environment, organophosphates. Um, there's a lot of toxins we're exposed to every day, and so we find those in women with breast cancer. Um, that's something that is sometimes hard to avoid, but there's so many things that we can do and take control of to detoxify every day by drinking clean water, exercising, supplementing, reducing stress is a huge one, you know, through whatever you enjoy that is stress reduction to you. Um, there's so many different things that we can do to detox our bodies and our minds each day. And we really need to incorporate that into our lives um, as a preventative measure. 
A lot of uh, personal care products uh, are, are actually loaded with carcinogenic things that uh, people would not suspect they're there. Household cleaning items, a garden and a lawn type chemicals. Uh, even the foods we're eating, the, the, the glyphosate story is, is pretty, uh, just pretty crazy because it's, it's, even if you uh, are trying to avoid glyphosate in your food, uh, it's in the water, it's in, even in the air. And so mm -hmm. here at the Reardon Clinic, we've been uh, measuring glyphosate in our cancer patients, and we're finding it just about in every one of them in, in large amounts. And so the idea that we could be uh, exposed to poisons doesn't even occur to people and so, uh, again, we're, we're just kind of skimming with the big ideas that this book contains, but it, it contains an awful lot of uh, practical steps that each woman can take to, to reduce their risk uh, of, of, of breast cancer showing up. Yes, definitely. Well, uh, I think we've covered the five main uh, preventive steps uh, I want to just say the book itself is actually very short. It's, uh, I think it's just right around 100 pages. It's very easy to read. It's uh, available uh, easily through Amazon on Kindle, or you can get the book and download it. Uh, anyway, I, I certainly, as, a, as, as the husband of a woman who uh, had breast cancer uh, 21 years ago, and, and just knowing how difficult it was for us to uh to go through that whole process we made it she was she was uh uh a, an individual who uh was willing to make changes uh and 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 together uh with mutual support we 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 were able to overcome uh this illness she and she did go through standard therapies as well it was a combination of standard therapies and integrative oncology that uh, I think was uh, the key to helping her get well. But uh, certainly if, if, if this disease can be avoided, uh, there's nothing better than prevention when it comes to any type of cancer, but especially breast cancer. So any, any kind of concluding thoughts, Laura? Yes, I'm so glad that your wife has done well through that journey. I, you know, I'm a young woman at myself and I have daughters and I know our risk for breast cancer is high, but knowing that I have this book and it has given me even more knowledge as, you know, than I already had as a provider on tips that I can do and I can give my patients to prevent breast cancer. Um, it's so empowering. And I just encourage all of our listeners to take a look at this book and, and really take that knowledge and share with others. Busting Breast Cancer, Five Simple Steps to Keep Breast Cancer Out of Your Body by Susan Wadia Ellis. So, Laura, thank you so much. We're so happy to have you aboard at Reardon Clinic and uh, uh, keep, keep up the good work. And I think your, your example to our patients is, uh, is outstanding. And so, uh, uh, and I wish all of our, of our listeners the good health that uh, we all deserve, but what, but for which we have to work for in this day and age. So till then, take care and stay well. Thanks, Dr. Ron. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. 
You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.